be the person who's talking about the union at parties. What's up? What's up? Welcome to episode two of Talking Shop. First of all, I want to say a big thanks to everyone who has listened to the first episode of Talking Shop so far. I hope this episode is just as useful and inspiring. There's a few ways you can help support the show. First, tell your friends and coworkers. Second, sling us a rating on your platform of choice. Talking Shop is currently available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I'm hoping to expand that list as time goes on. Finally, if there's a person, union, or project that you think the labor movement could learn from, let me know. I'm building an exciting list of future guests, and I'd love your input. During the height of the COVID-19 pandemic, one of my jobs was packing food at night in a distribution warehouse in Berkeley, California. I'd pass the time by listening to podcasts and audiobooks. We were making minimum wage, exposed to cramped, dangerous conditions, and had no benefits. I thought often about forming a union, but I didn't know quite how to start. That experience helped inspire this podcast and this episode in particular. Organizing a workplace is a massive undertaking, often done in some amount of secrecy to maintain strategic advances against the bosses. How have others approached this process? What does a coherent team of organizers sound like basking in the glory of a successful public launch with the wind at their backs and the warm New England sun on their faces? In this episode, I sit down with the three key organizers of the UMaine Graduate Workers Union. The union went public with their card campaign at a rally on March 24th. They've got a wealth of knowledge to share and are well on their way to winning to winning big wages, benefits, and protections for themselves. I wanted to chat with these organizers to make their hard-earned knowledge available to a wider audience and to offer their wins and progress as buoys to your mood amidst the seas of organizing. As always, you can hit me up at talkin, S-H-O-P-O-D, at gmail.com. Let's talk shop. So why don't we just start by having each of y'all introduce yourselves and share both what you're studying, uh, what your research is, and how you got involved with the Union Drive. I volunteer Eric to go first. Sure, why not? Uh, I'm Eric Brown. I am a second year PhD student I study uh, temperature regulation and energetics in tropical small mammals. So I'm currently in the field right now in uh, Sarawak, Borneo, Malaysia. So I'm glad to be able to participate somehow. I've had a lot of FOMO the past like couple months. Uh, I mean, we'll get into our campaign and all that, but glad to still do some things from afar. But I started geez, last January and like I've been organizing in like communist circles and like doing a bunch of mutual aid stuff for a number of years now. And like first thing I wanted to like know when I got to UMaine is what the scene looks like for organizing a grad union because especially I mean just a year ago it was just starting to like blossom across the country and there's 
nothing on the scene yet, and we'll dig into the history of uh, organizing at UMaine. But yeah, I but right from there, I was lucky enough to connect with the right folks and got rolling from there. But awesome, thanks, Eric. Okay, uh, my name's Andrea Terrell. I am a PhD student in ecology and environmental science. I did my master's, so I just finished my master's at UMaine and I'm staying for a PhD. Um, I study alpine plants in New England and how things like climate change and hiker visitation might be impacting those rare plant communities. And I'm also a teaching assistant in the biology department. So I TA usually things like plant biology. And I originally got involved um, with the union effort because being a TA can be really tough. Um, and I get, yeah, we'll get into this a little bit, but uh, like kind of the beginning of some of the organizing started with uh TAs being asked to like work over hours very frequently so we're expected to put like 20 hours into teaching a week and a lot of biology TAs in particular were being asked to like work well over that 20 hours in addition to their own research so that's kind of how I got involved one day Vendy at the bar said hey what do you think about organizing a grad worker union I was like yes please I want that, so. <laughs> yeah. and my name is Nick Burkini. I'm a first year master's student at UMaine in the Climate Change Institute. And my research uh, basically relates, is I'm a paleoecologist and my research relates to understanding uh, why species did and didn't go extinct around at the end of the last ice age. Uh, and I got involved because I, I mean, I've been pretty, interested in labor history and kind of over the past few years have become a stronger and stronger believer in the uh, necessity of organized labor uh, in, in every workplace. And then I just was lucky enough to be working in an office with Andrea and Bendy who, you know, week one, were like, hey, this is something uh, we're involved in if you want to be involved. And I, you know, definitely was grateful to have that opportunity and seized it. Awesome. Um, Eric, I'm curious to pivot back to you real quick. What uh, background on organizing at UMaine um, and the history of that would you want to highlight? Sure. Yeah. I mean, when I came in, I think it was a week after I'd like just arrived in Maine and I went to, there's like, um, I guess it's an official like school of biology and ecology graduate organization kind of thing and it, it's basically it's a number of our uh organizing committee members who kind of organize uh like unofficial programs for graduate students or undergrad students like uh hidden curriculum kind of stuff uh things that we would like to see that the university just isn't doing because you know, when, when do they listen to us? What's an um, example of one of those? Yeah, so I think the last spring we hosted a, a hidden curriculum event, basically like, so you want to go to grad school or like what 
what options are there for someone after undergrad and what does it actually mean to go to graduate school? Is this something that like you should pursue if you don't know what you want to do? Like, what are your options? That kind of thing. These things, because I mean, at least in my experience, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but if it wasn't for like one specific conversation that happened by accident, I would have had no idea. And I, you know, wouldn't know about where to go for funding, where to look for opportunities, that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah, I, think and, called, I think it was called the like grad student undergrad peer connector or something was like the name of mm -hmm. the event. Yeah. Totally. So trying to address some of the like opaque aspects of academia and, and graduate school in general. And yeah. Um, and how did that, did that lay the groundwork for the union, that kind of hidden curriculum project in any way, or did it just build relationships that were relevant? I think, I think it started, I mean, I'll let Andrea, you, you can speak, please. Um, I wouldn't say that's where, like, the conversations about unionizing started, but the fact that we had uh, a group, so it was SBE GO, so the School of Biology and Ecology, uh, what does GO stand for? Graduate, Graduate organization. organization. Just the fact that we had this group already kind of fostered conversations around like, oh, wow, like all of the biology TAs are being asked to work these really long hours. Wow, our, our healthcare is like a huge problem. Wow, we don't make a living wage. So like, yeah, having that group, I guess, kind of helped foster the beginning conversations of why our or how our working conditions were affecting everyone, I think. So. Yeah, and I'm curious, like, complaining in the workplace is super common. When did it go from complaining to organizing and what was that shift like? Um. Yeah, I think you're, that, you're the one who was there. Yeah, well, that, that first, that very first SBE Go meeting that I attended the week after I arrived, I mean, I, I, I didn't know anybody really, but I sat there and like one of the first questions I asked was like, so, you know, what's, uh, what's the union situation like? And Vendi, who we're going to reference a lot here because Vendi's an amazing person, uh, current roommate and just just a fantastic human being. Uh, like she is a fifth year PhD student right now. And so she knows the landscape probably better than any of us, at least historically speaking. And in the past there have like, there haven't been real attempts. You couldn't call them attempts to unionize. It's like someone is pissed off or you know, disgruntled and they go to the uh, gra graduate student government and they're like, we need a union. And then like, that's as far as it gets. But I mean, of course, yeah. So that obviously failed. And I think there was another attempt or so that was similar to that, like trying to petition the graduate student government, but that's just not how that, as one. So we just kind of started talking about that again and like why it failed and like 
it had sputtered out and there had been conversations in 2021, I believe, about like actually getting things going for real, like associating with like a real labor union with experience doing this sort of thing. And just because of the turnover and I mean, we can probably get into this later, but like just being graduate students kind of being permanently ephemeral it's it's really tough especially since i mean you can have hardcore organizers but you know time runs out you know right so and that's kind of where that conversation started yeah and i i remember having a conversation with vendi probably around that same time where I'd like to bring it back to the issue of TAs being overworked specifically in the biology department. Vendi was like the uh, liaison to the faculty board, I think, uh, for teaching assistants. And she was getting like bombarded with messages and complaints from TAs saying that like the workload, especially during the pandemic, was really intense and to the point where TAs were being asked to teach, I think like 60 students per TA, even though in their contract, it said the max students you would have was like 45. Um, so yeah, uh, there was like a big issue there. And I remember Vendi kind of talking about how there was no real avenue to like help with any of that like even if she brought it up to the faculty board or whatever there's there was no like actual way to help out TAs that were being overworked um so yeah I think that was going on around the same time that those conversations started happening so that and just teaching classes that are unrelated to what they're there for or English as a second language and they're being expected to taught like a super, I mean, it's science, or I mean, at least in our experience, it's science, which is super jargony. That's not, you know, easy to just jump into with zero training for teaching whatsoever, none of this stuff. And like, just all of that. Yeah. So there was an and, effort yeah. to use like a quote unquote official channel um, via Vendi's position. Um, and that effort became so kind of, it, it, is that kind of where things piled up? And it was like, oh, wow, like we need a more robust um, method to like address this, or is that an inaccurate um, characterization? I would say that's pretty, I would say that's accurate. At least that's what, it, that felt like one of the last straws, like that pandemic semester where all of these TAs are overworked. The TAs were being told to like provide students with less feedback so they'd have time to like get to all their students and it just kind of like snowballed from there, I think. Yeah. yeah. And just like the, I mean, the pandemic is a pretty, pretty big thing. And like in all of this, like UMaine is fairly siloed as it is like departmentally and by program it's an unnecessarily large campus for how many people are there but I mean I mean we, we now know after like organizing people and connecting with people all over that like 
you have all these different people who recognize these same problems and try to address it in whatever way that they can, whether they're in graduate student government or they're in these liaison positions or they're like the go-to person to like to gripe to, like they're the ones that accumulate all these stories. But until like you go and say, ah, shit, sorry, am I allowed to swear? Yeah, sorry. go for it. <laughs> okay. Uh, but like, oh, wow, the, these people in this building over here, which could even be the same program or department, but I think even by building, which could be right there, like people just don't talk to each other. Same problems. And yeah, so like at that point, like last February, we were just like, okay, so let's let's do something about it. Yeah, what was, I'm really curious to hear about, because I know in my own organizing here at the University of Oregon, the siloed nature of departments and like a similarly just like spatially large campus and like half a department's in one building and then another half is in another building, like, you know, three blocks away, um, organizing in these like, uh, atypical shop floors is really interesting. I'm curious what strategies have worked and not worked um, for that. Yeah, I've, it's been really fascinating for me, kind of both because I started organizing almost as soon as I showed up here. <laughs> and so I was kind of learning about, as I was learning about the school as a whole, I was also walking into random buildings and meeting people. And it is definitely true that like, I think a lot of, there are a lot of people here who maybe never talk to a grad student outside of their department like the entire time that they're at UMaine even like PhD students who are here for five years uh the isolation and the siloed nature is really real and it's really interesting but I think I've been really kind of pleasantly surprised by how despite that un unalienated a lot of people were and how like how excited so many people have been to have someone like come find them in whatever like basement they're stashed in <laughs> and have someone talk to them and care about their problems and you know take an interest in what life is like as a grad student and so I was really I've been I don't know pretty like surprised and encouraged by how eager people have been to find out that this is going on and how how many people have really wanted to get more involved as well but definitely, I think one of the biggest challenges of our campaign that, you know, would not be the same if, you know, we all worked in the same factory or the same restaurant or whatever, is we, is just physically finding people has been probably the majority of work <laughs> that I've done on the campaign. And uh, trying to get an accurate count of people has also been uh, really kind of arduous in a way. Yeah, that's, anticipated. that's something that we run into here a lot. Um, is stonewalling of like oh we don't have documentation of where people's offices are or oh we're not quite sure how many people work in that department which is i think safe to say misleading at best <laughs> um and i'm curious if that has been an element like and if y'all are comfortable talking about union busting how that has shown up sure well, what I'll say about union busting is that I think we did a good job keeping our campaign under wraps until we went public with our big rally where we announced uh, our majority. And so I would say that, and you, you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but so far, I don't think we've experienced any kind of overt union busting from the university. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I think that's in part because we did a good job of, you know, managing our strategy. Yeah. I I want to backtrack a little bit before we get to the to that part. So we're 
starting to hear some vocab in there. So, uh, but yeah, I think like in starting this, like reaching out to people physically part last spring, the first thing we wanted to do, we didn't, I guess we had like a, an organizing committee, but it was still fairly small, but we kind of wanted to unofficially start to map out the campus. And like a big part of this too is, I mean, obviously there's a lot of like, uh, compensatory and like other sorts of improvements that could be made, but because it's already physically siloed, but because of like the pandemic, you know, people are missing this communal component of their lives and just living in the West is just an incredibly alienating like society. Uh, so like the first thing, like we organized uh, a barbecue in like April or May last year. And so then we started like our door knocking just to reach out to folks. And it wasn't like titled like this is for a union. It was just like springtime, like barbecue for graduate students. And at least then we started to get a sense of like where people were or weren't. And to like the point about the university, like stonewalling i honestly don't think humane actually has any idea <laughs> i mean i think to a certain degree they're definitely like playing stupid but i think in a lot of cases they just have no freaking clue yeah i think that my sense is that the number of grad workers in the humane system is not a number that anyone could immediately like pull up right now and give you the exact count i think it would they would even the university itself would have to like crunch some numbers to give you that figure oh yeah mm. they've never had to know before there's never <laughs> been a reason for them to care well and just be another kind of wrench in the works that i mean has ended up being a great thing but was definitely a challenge was when we decided that we wanted to be a system-wide campaign and not mm -hmm. just organize our campus but organize grad workers across the entire humane system which is i don't know how many campuses off the top of my head but uh, several, and then trying to get counts uh, from camp, you know, obviously because this campaign started here, our organizing committee is largely based here. And so trying to get counts uh, from other campuses has been uh, a whole other challenge. Totally. Yeah. Eric, did you want to jump in with something there or no? Uh, I, I don't want to glaze over like strategy at this stage if like yeah. for folks who are like, at this point, please like one thing that I mean, one thing that's been really helpful for us is uh, like in your network. I hate that word, but like people, you know, like your friends, your family, like someone knows someone at this other campus or someone knows someone who knows someone and exploit that and just see where these leads go and just connect with people. Cause I think for the smaller campuses, for us, there's maybe a half dozen campuses and ours is like the primary campus. Uh, but there's also University of Southern Maine, which I think has the second most uh, number of graduate workers. But I mean, because they're kind of not the like primary campus, they're kind of forgotten. So like, there's also excitement there and like being included in in this effort and like the utility of doing a system-wide uh, union is that like 
even if like some of the other campuses aren't directly involved in the organizing process, if we like when we win a, a contract, like those grad workers at any campuses, whatever, are included in perpetuity, like in our bargaining unit, as long as we like define it as such. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like using social interactions, whether it's the barbecue or just, oh, I know someone at this other campus has been your primary method of organizing. Are, have there been other other methods that have been useful that you want to highlight? I mean, I guess we have found, uh, I guess, a small amount of people virtually um, because there are at least a, a decent amount of grad workers here that are remote or like doing field work like Eric and are away. And we did collect as large of an email list as we could. Um, and we've been sending out emails to people who we might know in the beginning, we were sending out emails to like people like within your own department, like just say, hey, have you heard of the grad worker union efforts? Would you be interested in supporting this? Um, and then after we went public, we sent out like mass emails from our like umain.gradworker gmail. Um, and we have found like at least, a, yeah, a decent amount of grad workers who would not normally be on campus um, who have responded virtually. So yeah, I guess if you can't find people in person, trying to reach out virtually wouldn't hurt. Yeah, and I think our, what works and what we're prioritizing has changed over the history of the campaign. So, mm, good point. I mean, to give like a bird's eye view of what we've done, there was kind of the initial like formation of the idea of like, hey, we should start a union, which happened the spring before I arrived here. Uh, and then when I got here pretty rapidly, uh, at the beginning of the semester, we entered a canvassing phase where we were really just walking into random buildings, trying to like figure out uh, where grad workers were and talk to them and just say, hey, like, you know, I'm part of a group of students that's considering uh, forming a union. Is that something you've ever thought about? You know, how do you feel about your work? Uh, you know, what problems have you run into? Both so that we could go find people and get an accurate count and also so that people could get involved as organizers if they want, or even just so that their first exposure to this idea would be from the point of view of an organizer and not from a scary email from the university. Because at that point we had real concern, you know, just from how campaigns have gone at other universities, that the university would figure out that we were doing this and start like a kind of a fear mongering campaign, uh, you know, through the email list or whatever else. And so at that point we were, it really was pretty random where it's just, we're dividing buildings up amongst our organizing committee and we're walking around in pairs and just, you know, knocking on people's offices and, you know, saying, Hey, do you have a sec? Like, have you heard of this? And what I will say is that I think if you have the option, the best organizing tool is always going to be a physical in-person worker to worker conversation. Uh, then as we have entered our card campaign, which is, we can get into the details of what that is later, but basically, where we're actually asking people to officially like endorse our union uh, in a way that can be counted. Uh, similarly, we've been uh, walking back around to these people that we established relationships with in our first round of canvassing 
taking advantage of the organizer network that we developed in that first round of canvassing as we found people in other departments who were enthusiastic about the campaign and wanted to help. And that's how we got the majority of our cards. As we have you know, gotten all the easy cards, then we've had to rely more on like, okay, emailing people who aren't on campus, you know, asking people in departments where we're less networked, like, hey, when when's a good time to show up at this office where it looks like an lot, a lot of people work here, but we never see them. Uh, setting up just a table and saying, hey, you know, are you, you know, with a sign, it's like, if you're a grad worker, come talk to us. Uh, kind of as we get all of the people who are easy to get uh, through like our preferred method, which is just the worker to worker conversation in person. Now we're kind of having to expand our strategies to get everyone who you know is hard to find for whatever reason, whether they're in the field or a remote worker or have weird hours or are in a part of a building that nobody else has ever heard of. Uh, <laughs> as yeah, our, uh, no. our go-to tools have kind of evolved as uh, the state of the campaign has changed. Totally. I think that's a really good point that like you will have to respond to. I liked what you call it. Was it easy? Did you say easy cards or, or like the, the folks who are like, maybe they've thought about it themselves or the minute you begin that organizing conversation, they're like, oh yeah, like, yeah, this sounds great. There's those folks. And then you, uh, there's like the physical dynamic as well as um, maybe some uh education of what a union can do what your your goals are um i'm curious about some of the more like nuts and bolts of how those types of conversations have gone as well as like what are shop floor issues that are really important to you main grad workers that is like what are the the day-to-day -day things that workers want to see change sure i would say overall the conversations themselves have been overwhelmingly positive and i've been really kind of I have to say, like, inspired by a lot of people because there's a lot of people who really, you know, aren't very political or really just focused on their research, have never really thought about labor before. And after a very brief conversation, you know, seem to really, like, understand what our, you know, what we're doing and, you know, want to get involved or want to sign. And including people who, you know, are, you know, much, you know, people who feel much more vulnerable or exposed to, like, rocking the boat of their job. You know, I'm talking about international workers people with kids, things like that, where it's like, oh, like a disruption at their job could be like, could have really dire consequences. Uh, and overwhelmingly, like, you know, even people in those situations have kind of like made the courageous choice to get involved, which has been really uh, positive, inspiring. And I think the conversations kind of just, you, you know, you talk about finding a place of commonality, but you don't really have to find it because we have something in common, which is that we all work for the same employer. <laughs> Uh, and are all experiencing, you know, to different degrees of intensity, uh, the same major issues with regards to pay, healthcare, things like that. And so I think it's definitely taken some, some practice to negotiate just like the first 30 seconds of those conversations, because a lot of people like haven't had a stranger come into their office ever. Uh, but once just like finding a way to like, clearly like explain you know who you are and what you're there to talk about once you can get over that hump the vast majority of people have been really receptive and i think a, a, like a majority of people too even like before you get over the awkward hump of why are you coming into my office are just like excited that someone is coming into their office <laughs> and they're like i don't know i feel like we've had a lot of conversations with people where 
I could envision myself feeling strange about someone like entering my space and just being like, hey, do you have a minute to talk? You've never seen me before, but like, what are you, you know, what are your issues? What are, what are your working conditions like? But most people are like very welcoming and excited to talk to you and probably maybe somewhat relieved that there are other people in other departments going through the same thing and that those people want to connect with you. So like I was definitely a little bit nervous to start having conversations like that. And it definitely took some practice, like getting used to just entering someone's space and kind of laying it down. But once you do it a couple of times, it like feels more natural and usually people are very excited to chat. So. Yeah. 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 One thing I'll also add is that I think the initial round of canvassing very has very directly translated to like our hard success, if that makes sense. So people with whom we had a conversation in the fall and had like established a relationship with or had just even like alerted to the fact that this was going to happen at some point uh i think our both our overall like yield and like the ease of signing have been a lot easier in terms of you know there, in departments where we were worse networked or had a harder time finding people we have really paid for it in terms of the amount of effort it's been to get cards there in part because you know it's just for some people like a completely new idea and so it's involved like okay we're gonna have this first conversation then i'll come back tomorrow and we'll have a second conversation then i come back next week and then you're ready to sign and that's you know good that's you know absolutely i think it makes sense that a lot of people who have never thought about this kind of stuff need to think it over and it's just places where we did that work beforehand uh it made things a lot easier for us when we were in the time sensitive part of our campaign so that's one that's definitely one piece of advice I would give anyone trying to organize like this is really like eat your vegetables uh, and like be, be really diligent in terms of just making your network like as rich as possible uh, before you begin like the time critical part of your campaign. And I think I would say overall, we've done a, quite a good job of that, but that's made the places where we haven't, you know, feel very different. Yeah, I think like the key to that I guess was having our connection at UAW, Ben Kane is our like organizer who's been helping us and like having organizer trainings where we like actually just tried to talk, like we had like mock conversations where you try to like either talk to someone about starting a union or like try to explain some questions that people might have. So yeah I guess for like advice for people who want to organize would be that like you don't have to do it all on your own and that like once you reach out to that like larger union they can help you with like learning how to have those organizing conversations um but yeah yeah let, let's talk about the UAW um how did you get linked up with them what is the UAW and what role expanding on what you just brought up, Andrea, like what role have they played in supporting your union drive? So I, I think, I think, uh, trying to remember correctly, my aging brain isn't as sharp as it once was, but I think we linked up with them the end of last spring, like 
around the time that we were putting together that barbecue and uh at that point we're just kind of trying to figure out at that stage like how do you really like build that foundation for the union and that foundation is sowing your seeds so come fall you can harvest your vegetables and then you can (laughs) eat them and then yeah so it was really about mapping the university getting out there and I think our really big goal was just identifying organizers in each department, not necessarily yet having conversations, but like knowing that we have someone that we can like point to when we do have a conversation and say like, you have questions, here's the closest person to you is like one of the difficult things, at least for like, like for us, one difficult department has been engineering. And like every university is going to have like their, you know, tough nut to crack. But uh, for us, like having some insiders who are able to like even more closely uh, like share that experience with, you know, their fellow grad workers in that department has been very helpful. And it's the same thing for like any other sort of uh, even smaller uh, communities, whether it's like international students or, you know, folks that have similar life experiences outside of work. Uh, what am I talking about? Oh, yeah, UAW. Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we linked up with them uh, last spring and we've kind of just been getting our organizing committee like trained and trying to reach out and help other folks because the idea of like organizing is so nebulous I think that's one of the big issues of like a lot of a lot of what you see in social media is like organize 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 and it's like okay but like what does that mean what does that look like and like it's as simple as like you're probably already doing it like talking to your coworkers about the shit you deal with like that is like step one and then the next step is to go talk to more people and decide to do something about it. And like some people get busy, like we're all busy, we're all, you know, things change. Um, but just communicating what you can and can't do and being realistic about that. And yeah, that's, I mean, that's one thing that UW has been great about is like making sure that it's not all falling on Mm-hmm. a core group of people but like knowing how to delegate and all these things but, so supporting y'all's yeah. efforts and and what tangibly has that support looked like like actually having conversations or helping y'all strategize what talk me through how that sh- support has showed up yeah so i mean i think the thing to just emphasize is you know we're all none of us are professional organizers we all have other uh, you know other things that we're doing as our main thing. And this is like something we're doing as, you know, workers and as activists basically. And there's a lot of know-how in terms of just like the structure of a campaign, how labor law actually works, uh, how to make a spreadsheet that keeps track of everybody who you talk to, uh, you know, what you should and shouldn't say in an organizing conversation uh, that, you know, is we don't have. And so instead of having to figure all that stuff out from the first time, uh, Ben, who's our guy from the UAW who's been working with us, uh, was able to train us and support us with a lot of the uh, data collection, with a lot of the uh, organizing conversation training, 
he's come up a few times and walked around and had conversations with us. And I think did a really good job of just showing us how that doesn't have to be an uncomfortable thing. And also how to kind of like set a tone of urgency within our organizing group and like maintain pace. Uh, and then has also been really useful uh, as we've entered the you know more recent stages of our campaign in terms of uh, connecting us with the main AFL-CIO and getting us, uh, you know, helping us think about our plan for uh, working with, uh, you know, other organizations in Maine and also our plan for approaching the administration uh, as we approach. And so it's just a, it's a well of resources and experience uh, that none of us have. Obviously, you know, we're the workers, we have to do the actual organizing at the end of the day, but having someone like give you some tips and some behind the scenes support makes a tremendous difference. And, yeah, and I'd say too, just like tangibly, like we meet, so we're, we're all talking about Ben Kane, staff organizer with UAW, but so we meet with Ben multiple times a week. We have an organizing meeting, usually Mondays where we meet with Ben and like try to discuss what we'll talk about at like the bigger meeting on Tuesdays and just like, bring up any problems we've had. Then every Tuesday we have like the larger meeting and Ben is always there, um, but he's always like, he's available, he's on our Slack. He, any questions or like problems we've had, we can reach out to him and like deal with that. Um, but so yeah, tangibly like having that support from a larger union is really like necessary and yeah well and in some ways you know like organizing a union in the grand scheme is kind of a rare thing like i think all of us have some kind of like volunteer organizing experience and i think a lot of us have although not me but i think you know some of us have worked in places that had unions already but it's pretty uncommon to be there at the moment that a union is being organized for the first time and that's just not a well of experience that most people in most workplaces have to draw from. And so having the support of someone who has been there through that process multiple times, but, you know, first as a worker and then later as a professional, you know, staff organizer, uh, it's just like this incredible well of knowledge to draw from <laughs> that really is not, is not knowledge that is going to be present in most workplaces. And cause I didn't define it when I, was talking UAW is United Auto Workers, uh, plus some other things, agricultural implements, something, something. But they also have, I think about half or over half of the membership is now uh, academic workers of some sort. A lot of those graduate workers, like tens of thousands across the country. And so like UAW, especially has a lot of experience in this like particular uh, landscape and that's been a huge help uh, like especially at the current phase of our campaign and we'll get into that but just connecting with uh, other labor organizations in the state uh, connecting with press and putting out press releases knowing when and where to do that uh, when to have conversations with whom, how to interpret uh, communications coming from the university itself, and 
just because, I mean, like Nick was saying, I've, I've never been at the like founding of a union. So some of this stuff, I don't know. I mean, I'm suspicious of anything the university does. So I want to make sure that, you know, Ben and UAW and those other folks, like they know what's normal and, you know, you know, it's a, it's a good, good foundation to rest on. Yeah, it, it's uh, a challenge or a, or a decision point for anybody organizing a union is like, do we stay independent or do we choose to pursue uh, a relationship like y'all have with UAW? And it seems like this relationship has been really fruitful and has um, allowed y'all that balance between like the technical know-how, but also prioritizing uh, worker democracy, shop floor democracy, trusting that y'all have the, the know-how and the skills to have these, like y'all are the experts in your own experience. Um, is that an accurate characterization? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I think like at one point long ago at the beginning of the campaign, I think we were, or some other, some organizers were considering like what union we might want to reach out to. And we were like throwing around the idea of like reaching out to a more local, like main union. And I think we like came to UAW because like a, a groups of grad workers are different from, you know, other groups of workers because of how large our workforce is. So like trying to organize a university of grad workers, even though UMaine isn't even that large compared to other grad workers, universities um, numbers, but like organizing hundreds to thousands of people is really difficult without like that kind of support from a union that has done that before. So I think that's why and, we chose that, but. And our status as workers is like very ambiguous on the part of the university. Like it's, when it's convenient for them, we're students or we're workers and it's termed as such in various ways and whatever websites they have. But I mean, yeah having the UAW, which has dealt with exactly that kind of language in contracts is, I mean, I'm anticipating that being a huge boon. Totally. So y'all just went public. What does going public mean? What uh, is next? How did that event go? I'd love to hear more about that process. Yeah, I can talk a little bit about that. So I, in fact, maybe before we dive into that we should just talk a little bit about the card campaign and like please what that has been like so our experience i'll just say up front is going to probably be different from people at other workplaces and other universities because we're a state university we're dealing with main state labor law and not uh national labor law and we fall into a very specific category of public workers that has specific rules so I can, you know, I can only speak to how things are going for us and, you know, it'll probably be different in different places. But basically, there's two common ways that uh, a union goes from being uh, an activist group like we are to being an 
a legally recognized bargaining unit that uh, an employer is uh, mandated to negotiate with. And one is via a process called card check and one is via an election. And an election is basically exactly what it sounds like, which is that people show up and vote, um, you know, yay or nay on the union. Card check is a process by which you get folks to sign what are called authorization cards, uh, which you collect. And when you believe you have a majority of cards signed by the majority of the total workforce, uh, you can submit those to the labor board. And uh, in some cases that can just, if they count them and they're like, yeah, that's majority, uh, that will lead to uh, your recognition recognition as a bargaining unit. Because of the specific category of worker we are, uh, the university has the option to do that voluntarily after card check, or they can also uh, try to force us to go into an election, which would be kind of a pain because A, uh, a lot of us are gone over the summer for field work or other reasons. Uh, and so we would probably have to have the election in the fall uh, which would then mean we'd have to do another big round of organizing of uh, incoming uh, grad workers, which would be uh, just a lot of extra work for us. Uh, and B, it's just, it would be a delay tactic where it would push off bargaining for an indeterminate amount of time and would uh, just, you know, make the change that we're asking for that much further away, asking for that much further away. So we wanted to start our card campaign uh, and get a majority of kinds of cards signed as quickly as possible, ideally before going public. And we did that, what, about like a month and a half ago, probably a little more than a month and a half ago, we launched our card campaign and we're able to get to what we believe is a majority uh, pretty quickly. Uh, at that point, we wanted our public launch to be essentially both a way of announcing ourselves to the world uh, and you know finding any grad workers who maybe hadn't even heard of us yet, and also to begin uh, gathering community support and demonstrating our community support to the university, uh, because we're counting on a strong push from you know grad workers, from faculty, from the public, and from Maine legislators uh, to encourage the university to recognize us voluntarily without you know forcing us into a basically a frivolous election to re-demonstrate de our democratic support that we've already demonstrated on cards. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we decided to have a public rally uh, and we had, yeah, really robust turnout, which was uh, really like pleasant to see. A lot of grad workers came out, a lot of undergrads came, a lot of faculty came. Uh, we had speakers who were grad workers, speakers who uh, had graduated, some local politicians, including both an Orono town councilor and also our main state senator for this area, Mike Tipping, came and spoke at our rally, which was really wonderful. And just heard a lot of like really moving stories and, and testimony from grad workers about their experiences, the kinds of trouble that they've run into uh, with, you know, whether it's not being able to afford food, you know, having to skip basic health care, you know, things like that. Uh, and it just the timing all worked out really well where it was right around when we were hitting majority we had the rally and it's like okay we're here we're doing this we're announcing ourselves to the world and uh we're appearing for the first time uh from a position of power and it's it really seems like the university at least at the highest levels did not know that we were doing this until we had our rally 
which was yeah positive i think we did a good job of keeping it on the down low right until it was beneficial for us to announce it with that public rally and so i'll also mention too like the couple of weeks leading up to that rally we started having conversations kind of still on the dl but you know starting to be less on the dl um with people uh from in faculty uh at the university but then also legislators um from maine um so we like sent organizers to the state house with the help of the main AFL-CIO to have meetings with legislators and basically just ask for their support. Um, we had a legislative sign-on letter that is still being circulated for legislators to sign on and ask the Board of Trustees, the Chancellor, and the uh, UMaine President to voluntarily recognize us. Um, and while we were doing that, we also asked some legislators to come speak at our rally. And so, that has been like a strategy that we're leaning on because p this like political moment in Maine is has been important for our campaign. So kind of like leaning on support from, you know, pro-union legislators um, to call on the university has been a big deal. But yeah, so that all led up to that public launch where we had some people um, who were able to speak for us and yeah. I'll also say the, le the legislative support has been super important uh, because we're a public university. Yeah. Yeah. How, like, say that more specifically, like, why is that so important? Well, I guess the <laughs> budget for the university comes from the state. So, and it is, it's a like budget year where legislators were just voting on the budget. So hearing from legislators that they are, you know, supporting our unionization efforts is really important because, you know, the university wants to stay on the good side of the state so that they get continued funding. Um, well, and, you know, I mean, this is the UMaine system is one of the like biggest state institutions in Maine. Mm -hmm. And we're, you know, as a group of a thousand workers, you know, Maine isn't a huge state. That is actually like a pretty, significant group of public workers uh you know standing up and making our voices heard and so i think the uh most of the legislators we've spoken to have been very uh like eager to hear from us and i think just because of the you know very direct relationship between the state and the the university system uh we're really hopeful that uh pressure from that direction uh, is going to produce some good results for us yeah um Let's talk a little bit about the system um, of the University of Maine and the ways that you hope the union might impact it. Um, you mentioned that UMaine really plays a role uh, as a, in the workforce of the state. Um, and I'm curious how being unionized, having a significant bargaining union, unit within that workforce uh, could push UMaine in certain directions, goals that y'all might have, things of that nature. Yeah. I mean, one thing I'll say is I think we're the last group of workers in the UMaine system to not be unionized. Uh, at so least, like, at least at our campus. Yeah. Yeah. So, like here, uh, faculty, uh, postdocs, staff, part-time staff, part-time staff, uh, adjuncts. Yeah. 
are all are all unionized uh and so we're kind of like the uh the last brick in the wall i guess <laughs> uh, but yeah i mean i think i think you know some of the basic benefit basic things we're hoping to change as soon as possible uh are you know pay healthcare, workplace protections things like that but really we're gonna determine our bargaining priorities uh once we have been recognized by the university and a then we'll survey the membership and basically say, hey, what is most important to you guys and bring those things into negotiations. We, we've we also, I think, had a couple conversations where like UMaine is at an interesting place right now for a university to be at where, you know, they could be, I guess, one of the first universities or you know, one of a few universities that is actually, you know, not going to hold back their graduate workers from unionizing. Like they have a chance right now to voluntarily recognize us and say, yes, we agree. You are workers. You're essential to the university. You're essential to the state. You do essential work. And we like are going to step back and allow that like they have for other groups of workers. Mm -hmm. Whereas I don't know, like they have a chance to kind of create like a reputation that is favorable in the eyes of grad workers and like attract more workers to the state by respecting our wishes, basically. Um, yeah. Have you seen uh, any kind of like murmurings or uh, things to suggest that that might be a stance that they would take in some way? I think we don't really know yet. I think we're going to yeah. have some meetings in the next couple of weeks that'll give us a much better sense of the posture they're going to take. But I think there, I think there's, I would say there's reason for optimism. We definitely haven't seen anything so far that has shown that they're going to take a super hardline approach. And I think, you know, in a lot of ways, it would be beneficial for both of us if we could, you know, start bargaining soon and, you know, kind of have a tone of good faith set uh, now. And I, I think, you know, there's a lot of reasonable people in the administration and hopefully they'll come to that same conclusion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Maine just being so small politically, it's just kind of stupid for them to like want to drag out them resisting like our demands. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, the news cycle only has so much to work with in Maine. So <laughs> <laughs> works to yeah. our advantage. Right, and they need and, and want good press for a variety of reasons. Yeah, that's really fascinating. And enrollment for undergrads has been down as well. And there's been a lot of like branding stuff going on recently about, I think with our department, there was something about it. They wanted a, a cool name or there's they're losing a cool factor or something stupid, but... <laughs> I, yeah, I'm glad you brought up undergrads um, and the extent to which the university relies upon tuition uh, obviously is a huge part of that. Um, yeah, have y'all interfaced with undergrads or is that further down the road? What has your relationship with undergrads been like in this process? Your students, put another way, <laughs> in many cases. Yeah, so we've definitely seen great support from undergrads so far. So we, 
there's definitely like a handful of undergrad like activists that work with like the Humane Climate Action Group who originally they were named UMS, Divest UMS. Um, so their goal was to get the Board of Trustees to divest from fossil fuels. So there's definitely like a good group of undergrads who are like behind us and working with us and even like attend our meetings and like understand our issues um, and have been very supportive. We had like a great undergrad turnout at our first event and we hope to keep that up at further events. Um, but yeah, so far, yeah, we have like really awesome support from a lot of undergrads. That's awesome. Is there an undergrad union or, or any anything like that going on? No, I uh, think one of the first meetings that they attended of ours, uh, we had touched on it briefly that, I mean, that's the awesome part about having them join us is like they get all this, you know, knowledge, like, I mean, they're participating in organizing a union, whether or not it's, you know, theirs, uh, it's still experience and out of this, I mean, even just in the past week or two, there are other like on-campus mutual aid projects that have been popping up, organized by undergrads. So yeah, they're they're an awesome crew for sure. The, the vegetables are being harvested. So. That's <laughs> right. That's right. But I mean, I I don't see because uh, also recently, Humane most of the campuses the food services or the dining services are run by Sodexo, which is a, a French food service company that serves dog food to humans. <laughs> um, and Humane uh, Orono just recently signed a contract with them with zero you know, public dialogue or anything like that as they do. And uh, like there's issue, worker issues there and because you know undergrads, a lot of them work in the food service on campus, I don't see that it's unreasonable to try to get them unionized as well. Yeah, absolutely. Are we at a place in the conversation where uh, looking forward makes sense or are there other details or stories or aspects that I haven't hit on? I mean, Thanks. say what is the next like month look like i mean there are only a few weeks left of classes right trying to remember what day it is uh but yeah i mean before people kind of scuttle off into whatever corner of the world they're doing their work in uh what are we doing i mean i'm not on the ground so i don't know what the day-to-day -day is i th i think at this point we're trying to do two things basically one is just to continue gathering cards because even though we're at majority, we would like to have a super majority and just be able to demonstrate overwhelming support from our membership base. Uh, just to because that I think will solidify our bargaining position and just give you know make us stronger down the line. And I think you know give everybody who signs a card also then has a sense of ownership. And I definitely want to prioritize you know having active membership. Uh, you know as to the extent possible. The other thing we're doing is basically trying to suss out what the university wants and what, like how they're gonna behave. And I think ideally we would be able to start bargaining as soon as possible. They would say, yes, we'll voluntarily recognize you on cards. We'd 
submit our cards to the labor board and then take it from there. Uh, and so if they do that, great. And if not, we're going to have to, you know, see what our strategy is. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a meeting like later this week where a group of organizers are going to meet with what is her position? She's Let's just say, you know, the, the university's designated representative. Yeah, there, yeah, there's yeah. a main, like, labor representative that we have a meeting with later this week, and we'll definitely get a better sense of where they're at during that meeting. And I'm also apparently meeting with the chancellor today for 10 minutes to be like, hello, I am a grad worker. I remember when you were the governor of Connecticut and you supported <laughs> UConn grad workers unionizing. You should do that again. So interesting we'll see, we'll see how that goes but um yeah so we're yeah we're definitely at like an interesting point in time this week where we're kind of waiting to see what their stance is or um what they've been thinking but yeah yeah but so yeah, yeah i think oh. Until we get more information, really, it is still just cards, cards, cards. Yeah. Because no matter what happens, having a right strong and united membership is always going to help us. Yep. Totally. And then you'll have your fork in the road, and it will either include kind of retrenching, re-strategizing, or a new strategizing in terms of how to... Uh, put together a bargaining platform it sounds like is that accurate yeah yep cool well this has been really awesome um are there is there anything else that y'all want to share like kind of miscellaneous tips and tricks of the trade that you think would be important for folks to hear i have one random uh tip i guess is that so a few of us attended an event called Labor Lobby Day at the Maine State House, I think like a week or two ago, um, where we were able to get a lot of legislators to sign on to our letter calling on the university to voluntary, voluntarily recognize us. But during that meeting, we were able to meet a lot of other unions throughout the state and kind of connect with other people and other types of workers that are going through similar things but aren't graduate workers mm -hmm. and i guess like my advice along those lines is to like if there's events like that in your state or like any chance you get to meet with other workers outside of just graduate workers do it and because it was like really amazing to get to speak with people who like are going through similar things, have great advice, are living in our state and are willing to be really supportive at events or, you know, things like that. Um, and I'd also say like the main AFL-CIO has been like incredibly supportive along with UAW. So like having, even if you're kind of organizing with this within this larger international union, like having, local support through like smaller unions um can be really really helpful and also just kind of inspiring totally like the the strategic value of solidarity is is key but also the just psychic and emotional value of solidarity like when when the ruts do come because they they come you <laughs> there are our struggles and challenges i think that's a really important thing to highlight 
any other key tips or tricks? Nick, look like you had something. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'll just brief. I can't. I couldn't agree any more with what Andrea just said. First of all, <laughs> yeah. one of my favorite parts of this has been learning about uh, where labor is at as a whole in the state of Maine, uh, and hearing about, you know, working with the AFL-CIO, going to Eastern Maine Labor Council meetings, and just finding out about all of the work that unions and unions of unions are doing in the state has been really wonderful. One other thing I think that I think has been an underrated kind of key of our campaign is that uh, after we have every Tuesday our like general meeting, which is from eight to nine. And then after that, a decent contingent of us go and get beers. <laughs> and those kind of, after like our structured meeting, having those continued like informal conversations uh, has led to a lot of like uh, planning and, uh, and just uh, catharsis, I think, you know, especially when we've in, been in more like lulls in the campaign or just like, you know, not sure where things were going, having that informal time to just like chat and regroup right after we had, you know, in our general meeting, like laid all the cards on the table and gotten a sense of where we were, I think it's been critical. And I think a lot of, a lot of integral planning to the structure of the campaign has happened in that time. Totally. Yeah. Beers at Marsh. Yeah, beers at Marsh Island Brewery. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like beers at Max's for us. We we relate to that here. <laughs> well, and also just like especially for when we're you know as we're trying to like bring new organizers in, like having some like scheduled social time where you can like you know if you're from a department where there's no one else from your department yep. involved in the organizing committee, just having some time where you can like you know get to know the people you're organizing with and you know start to like really identify as like a a member of this of this project uh, i think has really been uh, super valuable i mean that goes back to something eric said at the outset right of like how alienated we are as grad workers but also just culturally um in general and and like what is a union if not just like strengthening and building relationships and then making them explicitly political and uh Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think we're all healthier human beings uh, and healthier societies when we have that in our lives. Yeah, I'll, I'll say, you know, and this, I don't know if this would hold true for everyone, but I think if, if you made a graph, there would be a pretty like one to one correlation between like, my mental health the past year and how involved I've been in the campaign. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I agree with that. Yeah. Be the person who's talking about the union at parties. Right, yeah. right, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, I, yeah, biggest thing is, like, dispelling, like, what it is, or just, like, talking about it. Like, it can be as normal as talking as about anything else. And, like, you don't have to be talking seriously about it at all times. But, like, just to be talking about it, even in passing, like, is huge just so that it's like out there in the ether and then people are comfortable hearing the word associated with you know being around people who are you know friendly with you that kind of thing so yeah yeah totally i hope you enjoyed my conversation with the UMaine graduate workers union in the week since we talked the umgwu has continued to make progress they're inching closer to a supermajority of grad workers who've signed cards in support of the union. They also sent the legislative sign-on letter to the Board of Trustees, Chancellor, and University President. 
The letter urges the university administration to recognize the union and has signatures from 75 legislators and representatives, including the Senate president and House speaker. The organizing team is still waiting for the university administration to agree to a meeting. You can follow along with the UMGWU on their Instagram at UMain underscore gradworkers. Talk and Shop is recorded and edited by me, Matt McIntosh. Our theme music is by my band, Pledge Drive. A special shout out to Andrea Terrell for helping to organize our conversation today. When's the last time you talked with your coworkers about your working conditions? Thanks for listening.